Hola, hola, hola. Hello, hello, hello there. Uh, welcome back to the ever-going saga of the Dump Truck, where chaos meets creativity. I am Bobby Navi. I am your trusted Dungeon Master, here to guide you through the pages of our next thrilling chapter. Today, we delve into the sacred text of every adventurer's journey, the Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook. Now you might be you might be asking yourself, what is what is this? Uh, I thought you I thought it was uh, I thought you didn't need a book, right? Some people would think that you don't need a book for this, or you would just need like a really small manual. It just tells you everything, like in a video game like Mario Party type of manual. But no, this for a big like this with a huge, which is like a story that is being written by your players and you. Yeah, it requires more than a book, like three of them. The main three books. We're gonna talk about them, but on this chapter, as I said, I'm gonna talk about the player's handbook. Behold, the player's handbook. You cannot see it, but just behold it with your ears. I'm gonna bring it to you. It's actually not with me right now. <laughs> it's over here on the other side of the room. Literally, it's a small room. This is a small studio for my family, dude. Behold, listen, that's the book. Anyways, a tome that opens the gateway to imagination that in countless possibilities. Flip through these pages. Hold on, hold on, listen, listen. <laughs> and you'll discover the keys to crafting your own very own epic tale. From character creation to epic quest, it's all here. Well, not entirely everything. Here you have the basics. The basics like the multiverse, spells, character creation, classes, races, abilities, alignment. You might be, if you're new to D&D, you might be saying, you might be just going crazy right now with like, what is this fucker talking about? What is all this shit? What is all this mumble talking? And, uh, well, it's not mumbling, but if I do mumble, I'm sorry. But, uh, that's a shit ton of stuff that you need to know that you might, that you need from this book. Even when you're a DM and you just want to be DM, then you need to read this book and the DM's guide book and the monster manuals and Volus guides to monsters and Tasha's Cauldron and Sanathar's everything uh, book. I think that's what it's called. You need a lot of books and each book usually costs 60 bucks. If you get them for uh, in Amazon's, they will be for 30 bucks, but still. It's better for you to find a friend who has them and ask them, can I borrow real quick and so I can give it a quick read and take some pictures of the pages, real good pictures, so you can then like actually be able to read it correctly through your phone. Or you can just ask your friend to like copy some of the pages and print them out and give them to you. Of course, you're gonna have to pay them. You're gonna have to pay for the copy and thing and print, them out, print the pages out. But anyways, there's a way to do this. So, you know how you would read a book and it would just be, okay, from, from the very first page to the last page. No, you don't read this book like that. It's different. It's just like the Bible. I cannot compare it to the Bible as with knowledge, but I can compare it with how you will read the Bible. The Bible, you read it in a different way. You One would say you read whatever you felt you feel like to understand. So if you want to know like uh, 
what this guy did. Or if you want to know about Moises, then you just read the entire chapter where Moises was. Or if you want to know about Adam and and I, you want to know about Adam and Eve and all that stuff. It's not the story I'm talking about. Adam and Eve from the Bible. It, there's different parts of the Bible. I Apocalypse is a very important part that I would recommend you to read. It actually is very insightful if you think about it. And if you, if you want, like you don't have to be like, oh, a Christian. You don't have to be that. You can just read it and like try to be like, this is really interesting. Some people will go like, oh, heresy. They're not Christians. And they're reading the Bible. Like, I don't fucking care. I don't care. You read it, not read it. It's fine. But what I'm trying to say is there's a way to do stuff with the player's handboard. There's a way to read it. And the way that I will go on them out, it's pretty simple. Hold on. Now here I have a notebook that I've written how I would do it. And I just start to think about it, that this is how I would do it. Before I did it, because I was like, yeah, that'll be fine, I don't need to read it. I just need to do it, and that's it. But then later on the line, for my campaigns, when my one-shots and campaigns started to be really walky, really nonsense with no direction whatsoever. Even when I'm railroading my fucking players because they don't know what to do. They don't want to take side quests. They don't want to do this unless they get paid a thousand gold. Like, dude, they're going to destroy the economy. Actually, that gives me an idea. I can fucking make the economy so bad that they'll be sent assassins from the banks to get the money back. That would be actually cool. Or set them out to suicide missions, you know? That can actually work. Anyways, you gotta read the book as you are building a character. If you think... That's insane. Why would I read it like that? Because it's so much easier to learn something when you're doing it. When there's there's people out there who learn by just reading it, that's awesome. But this motherfucker's like me, that you gotta learn while doing it. I gotta learn while doing shit. So... You gotta read the book in parts, like I said, like in the Bible. You gotta, first part would be what you need to make a character. The stuff that you need to make a character and the stuff to play the game. So there's two parts. And what we're gonna talk about in this episode or in this chapter is the first part. What you need to make a character. So I would like to say abilities and stats. That is the first thing you might wanna know how it works. And by abilities, you might be asking, what what are what are those abilities? What is that? Well, abilities would count would be ability scores. In the ability scores modifiers, it really tells you. Uh, this is real good because it explains you what strength is. What is strength for? Of of course, is to quick. Explanation of what strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, and wisdom and charisma can do. Charisma is to measure how funny you are or how you can get someone to fuck you. Uh, wisdom is to see how book wise you are. No, 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 street wise. Intelligence is book smart. And then constitution is meaning is measuring the endurance. It, it, it kind of is, it kind of not, because when I play, we never have to do constitution rolls. We never have to do that. And I'm going to add that later. Because the way that combat works with d d it's slow and boring. So I'm planning to change it too. 
And then dexterity is to see how agile you are, like Mrs. Incredible agility type of shit. Or strength, like Mr. Incredible strength type. Like, can you lift a car? Or can you destroy this wall? Or can you lift this ru this rubble? Is it rubble or is it a huge rock? I forget. Uh, no, it's not blunder. Can you lift this person and this another person to re to take them off the battlefield? Kind of like that stuff. That is what your abilities are. You have strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And with what I tell you, you basically already know what it, what each can do. Now there is a thing called advantage and disadvantage. Uh, advantage and disadvantage is gonna, you're gonna hear that shit a lot, but it's kind of it's kind of use it's kind of funny sometimes because that's what gets most of the giggles and the oh no fucking all that type of shit in the game. Advantages is you roll twice with a d20. So you roll once, it gives you a five. You roll again, it gives you a ten. You take the highest when it's an advantage. On this advantage is the contrary. You take the lowest out of the two. Now that's the most. That's a, that was the easiest way that I could explain anything. So yeah, abilities and scores, abilities, uh, abilities. Uh, fuck. What am I trying to say here? Using ability scores, reading chapter seven in the player's handbook is a must. It's a must to know what your character can and cannot do, and to know how to play the game. But you can read this before you make a character. You can just give it a quick look. You don't gotta read it through. You just gotta see what is this, what is that, what is that. Just a quick read. You gotta like just turn the pages, see what's what, and like for example, you can go in dexterity and see what is a dexterity check. You can see that dexterity has to do with a sleight of hand, with stealth, and on it, and control of heavy landing card with steep descent or picking a lock. Constitution checks, it also tells you that they are very uncommon, as I never done a constitution check in my life unless I homebrew the fuck out of it. Because we don't do them. Saving throws, and these are gonna be very important because literally they save you life. And yeah, that's, and then the next chapter is how is the part, is the second part. But right now, we wanna talk about the first part. Abilities and stats, you can give just a real quick check in chapter seven of the book. And I didn't read the page, I'm a dumbass. Chapter seven is on page 173. So, and now we're gonna go to class and level. And that is in page 45. So, class and level, classes there is. These are classes. Now, if you don't know what a class is, a class is like a profession kind of thing. But it, it isn't at the same time. And you might be saying, what? If it's not a profession, but if it's a profession, but at the same time it's not, then what it is? The best way I can tell you what it is, it's close to a, as I said, it's close to a profession, but, much, but it's much more than that. It's like your path. It's like your path in life. You know, so you, just like in like high school, some parents tell you like, you have to choose your path in a very young age. And that's what you're going to do for the rest of your fucking life. That, that, that type of shit. But in here, just like in real life, you could also choose another thing. For example, you could do multi-classing, which is more complex, which is very complicated. But if you can get, if you can understand it, it's so fun. But at the same time, it comes with its advantages and its disadvantages as, well, as anything. 
So, as I was saying, a class shapes the way your character sees the world and interacts with it and its relationship with other people and powers in the multiverse. Now, you might, with what I read, you can tell that this is very fucking important because this class not only will help you know how your character is, how he behaves, this, this class gives you a clue of what you want. For example, let's say you want a barbarian. Oh, I can really picture your character. You want a dumb character who's very strong, but very nice, like a kid. Behaves almost like a kid. Actually behaves like a kid. And when he gets hurt, he, he, got, he throws a tantrum, but he uses rage like a barbarian. But he cares about others. He cares about animals. He cares about other people. And he cares about what others think. And so he's a very soft-hearted person. Or you could make an old adventurer blacksmith who has already, who stopped working, who stopped being an adventurer and just decided to become a blacksmith until one day he got attacked in his own house and a thief clocked him in the head, in the head with, a, with a club of wood. And just as soon as the, as the blacksmith fell onto the ground, the blood started to rush through fast. As his adrenaline started to kick in, and you in his face turned into a passive old man to, to into this angry old Goliath. And he just rages and pummels the dude and kills him. And at that point he has to run away now. It the barbarians gives you an idea of this man is huge of he this man has rage inside but also has something besides that. He's not only f entirely angry and just full of muscle. That is the idea, and that, that is what a class does to you. A class helps you know how this character of yours is gonna be, who he is, what or what she is, and what they're gonna do, you know? So, it's really important for you to choose a class. And it's, and funny enough, as, it's, it's, as I said, it's very important to choose a class that really fits with you, so you can play as this character. You could change the class, when you feel like your character understands that I don't think this is it, this is it for me, you know, and it's a really big moment for that because if your character you made this character, this is yours. So and if, and when you play as him or her, and you feel like this is not what I want, immediately is gonna help you understand more about yourself. Like, as, as yourself, as a person, not as a character. I know. You gotta get involved in the character so much that at one point or later, you might be like, I fucking relate to my character. And I made him. And they're a fucking entirely different person now than, I, than what I made him. That's the fun thing about it. When you make a character, you could make them with an idea like, I always wanted to be like me. But if you're really gonna put, like, if you're really gonna play the game later on in the end of the game, they're gonna be an entirely fucking different thing. And it's the beautiful thing about playing a uh, role-player tabletop game. Because you experience another life. You experience so much other stuff that you probably will never experience in this life. Which might motivate you to do so. To do experience more stuff. But anyway. But if you don't know what are the options for classes. And which fits to your character. Then let me tell you your options and which are fit for you as the character. You know, as I said, you really gotta need to get into the character thing, or you're gonna make your DM have a fucking suffering, have a very awful time. 
And I can relate to that because I had an awful time with my players when they don't fucking get into the character. And I and I'm okay. I'm okay. I just want them to have fun, really. I I know it's kind of selfish of like, oh, they're not listening. They're not playing the game right. But I'm like. If they just playing it and they're having fun, then I'm fine. I don't care. Even when it's like uh, annoying for me, and it just gives me more time, it takes more time for me to figure out what they want. It's fine. All right, first class. Have you ever broke anything that made you mad? Have you ever broke any? Sorry. Have you ever broke anything that made you mad? Have you ever wanted to lift and throw a boulder? That's the word that I was looking for. Or just have no thoughts. Brainless. Then Barbarian is a class for you. With this class, you will deal a lot of damage, have excellent melee abilities, and take damage like Frank Anson Richards, who's who was known for taking heavy blows to his stomach. It's the guy who was able to take cannibals to his stomach, if you didn't know. But you will be limited to any range options and have no magic powers, unless you make your DM to give you an item or a subclass that gives you more magical options, you know? And yes, there's gonna be a lot of, or make your DM do this. There's gonna be a lot of that because I know that. Next class, no, next class, sorry. Next class is the Bard. The Bard. Have you ever wanted to be the funniest man alive? Ever felt the need to boogie? Uh, have you always wanted to be the life of the party? Or maybe be the one to fuck a dragon. I swear to God, there's so many memes in the internet, in Reddit specifically, where there's just a party of bards, or just this two group of duo of bards, or just this one bard who fucks anything. There, there was even a story, oh my God, I, I don't know what post it was, but it was in Reddit, where I saw that, dude, me and my entire party were bards, and we died on the first dungeon. But because we fucked around, our children, our children, we became our children. Like they started to play as a children character. Which honestly, I think that's very fun. But not if your characters are like, I really wanted that character and they don't really want to make like change or make another character. They'll prefer to bring the old character back to life. Then don't do that. Unless you have a talk with them and convince them. Then the bard class, the bard is the class for you. For, with this class, you will be versatile, have magical powers, and be able to support your allies like Jack Black with his legendary sex boom he uses to uplift the mood of everyone who hears his awesome melody. But you will have lower hit points than normal and very limited armor options unless you make your DM, I told you it would appear, it would appear again, to give you a magic item or a feat that gives you a bit of more hit points or options. Now we're gonna go to the third class. The cleric. Now this guy, the cleric class is a healer basically. It's a healer class, which almost no one chooses, but it's a really good class if you think about it. Because, ever felt you were meant for something divine? Have you always wanted to help those around you? Ever felt the need to heal the wounded? Or maybe you just want to be a fucking heretic and be chased by the church? Then congrats, cleric is the class for you. I I don't know why, but no one has ever chosen the class cleric and made this. Like in my from my from what I have read and what I have seen and experienced, I never seen a player or anyone choose a cleric and then choose and make a backstory where like, 
oh, the church is after him. Or like, it's, imagine, a cleric, a cleric and then a half rogue. So he multi-classes, right? He has a cleric class and then the rogue class. And it's because of the rogue class that he steals from every religion that he gets into as a cleric. He re- he gets so many churches after him, you know? That is, like, a really interesting way to play a cleric. But I don't think anyone will do it. Because I haven't heard anyone play a cleric, honestly. No one wants to play the healer. The cleric, as I said, then congrats. Cleric is the class for you. With this class, you will heal those in need, have versatility on spell casting and armor proficiency. But you will have limited offensive capabilities compared to dedicated spellcasters. So, you know, like wizards, warlocks, or sorcerers, they do have more offensive uh, offensive options than a cleric would. Unless you play a padding, which will have more offensive options. But still, we haven't got to that. Now the druid. Have you ever felt a connection with nature? Ever thought that modern nature is more powerful than it lets on to be? And the power, and you wish to borrow its power? Or maybe you just want to transform into a bear and have a romantic sexy time like in the Baldur's Gate game. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to hear no one saying that. I don't know what you're talking about. Look at Baldur's Gate bear romantic. Look that up and I'm going to, and be warned. Be warned that when you look that up, you're gonna be cursed for the left for the rest of your life. Not really, but your eyes, you're gonna wish to wash them with chlorine. Then the druid is a class for you, my friend. With this class, you will be able to ch- shift into any animal, have nature-themed spells, and you guess the versatility again. But here's the downside. You will have huge. You will have no sorry, no huge. There was no huge. I just read it wrong. You will have Limited armor options and might just just might be less effective in traditional melee roles. So so this guy is like uh, in the very back of the party class, you know, like he's like kind of like in the back of the bus, shit, like in high school. Now the next class, the fighter class. This one is the most used one, and people say like it's so bland. It really is not. If you make a good fucking character background story with the do you enjoy being a straightforward warrior with strong combat abilities? Ever felt you could throw a good attack or two? Also, you would have high hit points. Then fighter is a class for you unless you don't like having limited spellcasting. And here it comes again. Unless you make your DM to give you an item or a subclass, you know. The next class, monk class. The monk. If I if you did not understand what I said. The monk class. Do you want to be a martial artist? Do you ever felt you were supposed to be more agile than you are and stun your enemies like a stun grenade in CSGO at 11.59pm? Because if you say yes, then the monk class is the class for you. Unless you don't like having lower hit points and limited range options. Honestly, if, you want, if you're like, oh, I, I like boxing, monk is the class for you. But also you could do fire class. But monk is better for melee. For the just physical attacks. So we just be like, pow, 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 pummel down the dude that you're fighting. Sorry, I need water. I'm gonna talk it for a bit too much. Alright. Now the next class, the paladin. Now this one is the class that I was talking about. If you don't wanna be just very 
limited options with offensive attacks with cleric, you, you could choose the paladin. The paladin. Have you ever felt the need to smite? Be a fucking tank and be a healer of the same at the same time like a cleric? I have to tell you. But bigger, better, and girthier. But this is a big but. Almost as big as my dump truck. And if you don't know what that is, that is my ass. That was supposed to be a joke, but I read it as if it was part of the paladin class. So if you want, you can have like a big dump truck if you play the paladin. That would be fucking funny. I, there's already memes of uh, the paladin fucking divine god that is a uh, power to twerk. There's so many people that make jokes about that. It's fucking hilarious. Anyways, the paladin have limited spell casting slots and you will have to rely on charisma for many abilities. So that's the thing with paladin. There will be some classes that will have to will make you rely on that specific on that one stat. Like on strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. It's gonna make you be it's gonna be like a main thing. So if you don't that's why I'm like telling you about the classes first, because if you really don't check it, you're gonna choose the worst class for your character. Because if you go, okay, uh, I'm gonna start making the character, my abilities first, and you start rolling without giving a fuck about your class, then you're gonna make a bad, a pretty bad, it's gonna be a pretty bad experience for you. And then at the end, we'll have to deal with all that shit for you, and we'll have to change it, and it'll be confusing, and it'll just take more time than it needed to be, you know? And now the next class, the Ranger. This is my favorite so far. You enjoy the wilderness. You like to challenge yourself to survive out there. You like archery and have a magic from another, from, not from another, and have magic from mother nature. I'm sorry. I cannot read my own letters sometimes. And that is because I'm fucking stupid. But here are the bad news. But they, the ranger class is considered less powerful than the other classes. But in my opinion, rangers have bigger dicks. And that is the truth. So if you want to have big dick, ranger class is a class for you. Now, the rogue class. Have you ever felt you're a master of hiding and seek? Cutting, maybe even skilled in infiltration and dealing massive damage from behind? But you will have lower HP, be limited in straight up combat situations. HP is hit points if you don't know. But if you don't care, then the rogue class is for you. Now the next class is the sorcerer. Now this is a class for you if you want a character with innate magical abilities focusing on raw arcane power. And if you want charisma-based spellcasting, like uh, like with the paladin, charisma-based spellcasting again. Unless you don't want limited spells known and lower hit points. Now limited spells, limited spells known. Spells known means that you will know ver- you will know less spells than other spellcasters. And again, lower HP. Now the warlock. Do you like doing packs with a powerful otherworldly being? Do you want to main both martial and magical abilities? Unless you don't like having limited spell slots and fewer spell choices. But if you don't give a fuck, then the Warlock is your cup of tea. Now, the last class so far that appears in a player's handbook, the Wizard. Do you want to be Gandalf? 
Merlin, even. Be the most knowledgeable arcane, most knowledgeable monster of arcane arts. Or you just want to use the testicular torsion spell. Now, if you have TikTok or you have any D&D fun, D&D memes going on YouTube, you will know what I mean. Also, you will have a lower HP again and will rely on intelligence. Then, if you don't care about that, this is your class. Now, if you countered what I was telling you, how many class? If you, sorry, if you were counting while I was talking about the classes, then you would have noticed that there are only twelve classes. One might think that's very few, but honestly, that's a lot. Because imagine all the combinations that you could do. You could do a warlock who is also a fighter, that's multi-class. You could do a paladin who is a wizard, so you have more spells. Or you could do a sorcerer who's a rogue. So you can just, instead of using knives and all that, you can just knock the fuck out of someone with your fucking hair. Like, what Like fucking <laughs> knife hand. Like, what are what are And just going at it. Now, here is the most important part. The methods to roll dice. And these methods are not just are not for like literally rolling dice when you're playing the game. These are for when you're making the when you're choosing your abilities. Now, there's about three methods that you can do it. Usually Oh sorry. My alarm. Usually I just use the 4D drop the lowest number method. But I start to notice that it's confusing, especially for my players who were brand new. And it is still confusing to them to this day. And we've been having DM for like four years, three. As this method, as this method often results with characters that are unbalanced. You might think I'm saying this so I can just kill my players easily, so I can have fun. That cannot be f- more further from the truth. But sometimes I would wish they would actually choose what the fuck is gonna be the main thing because they roll so high that everything is good stats, you know. Now, if you don't know what. 4d6 is and drop the lowest. I can tell you right now. Literally, you roll 4d6s. You get four numbers. You drop the lowest number. And the other three, you add them up, and that's one of your abilities. You do this six times. For, once for strength, one for dexterity, one for intelligence, one for charisma, one for wisdom. And I think I said six, the six abilities. I hope I did, because if I did it, I'm a fucking dumbass. Yeah. You, you roll four D6s for each, and you drop the lowest number. I would recommend you to do this 12 times. To, to roll four D6s and drop the lowest number, I would recommend you to do it 12 times, so you can choose from those 12 numbers. Also, if you roll the one, re-roll. That's one of my rules. It's a homebrew thing. Uh, now, the next method, point by system. Now, this method gives more control and balance, but it seems pretty bland. And if you don't know what this method does, what this method is, let me just tell you. I don't have the page with me. Hold on. Why is it always missing? Okay, I'm just... Mi- okay, here it is. I'm, I'm just fucking dumbass sometimes. All right. With the point by system, it's simple. Start with a basic score of eight in each ability, all six of them, strength, dexterity, charisma, blah, 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 blah. You have 27 points to distribute among your abilities. 
And then the third step, increasing an ability score costs a number of points equal to the new score. Like raising a score from 8 to 14 costs 6 points. Some racial traits may modify the points cost of certain scores. And you cannot go below 8, below 8 or above 15 before racial modifiers. So now that you now that I tell you that, it, as I said, it seems pretty bland. Also, this method creates a character with less extreme weakness. What I mean by that is that there are no negative ability scores if you do it right. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah I already told you this. You cannot go below eight. So, what I, if you might be asking, this sounds good. This sounds better than 46, more, less complicated. Yes, it's less complicated, but you're not going to have like a really good, it's not going to be like as fun as it is with 46 because 46 dropped the lowest method. It's fun because like, ooh, what am I going to get? And if you just want to go save, pawn by system. But as I said, it's pretty bland, but I know it seems pretty good too. It seems decent, not good, good. Now, the third method, standard array. This one you use just the, set, the standard set of abilities. This is the, mo the best choice to use for new players and new DMs. Then later on you can use 46 or you can go with a point by system. Use the standard, the standard set of abilities, 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8, literally, those numbers. Assign these scores to your 6 abilities in any order. For example, you can assign the 15 to dexterity, you can assign the 14 to constitution, assign 13 to wisdom, assign 12 to intelligence, assign 10 to strength, assign 8, assign 8, sorry, assign 8 to charisma, you know, you could do that. Now that's the... And you see how fast it was for me to read it? And that's how fast it is to do it. Unless you're really thinking into what you're going to make. And then that's good. That's good that you take your time. But don't take the time of others too. When you see like everyone else is done, you could, all, you could also like go at the same pace as they, as they do. But take your time. Don't be, don't be rushed. Uh, I, I have rarely ever used this method. Like the point by, the point by system method. I cannot speak today. And only have used the 46 drop the lowest method, which honestly I would prefer to use the standard array for not only NPCs, but for my players. It would have been so much easier for them to understand what is going on and what they need to know. Sorry, I'm grabbing a bread. And as I say, even, even when our first 46 method was confusing at first, I said it first twice. I'm gonna stop doing that as a new player or DM. But this is the best method for new players and DMs alike, as it's easier to explain and use it. It provides a balanced set of abilities, of ability score, and the most quick method to use for character creation. Now, we're about to reach 35 minutes, so how about you go to the next chapter, which I will be there waiting for you again.